This show is a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Occasionally. Oh boy. There's a world around us we cannot see. Welcome to the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. Oh crap. Now you pissed me off. Say hi. Hell boy. How you doing? I can promise you two things. One, I'll always look this good. And two, I'll never give up on you. Alright, welcome everybody. This is the end of the podcast, but we're putting it at the beginning because we talk about boring football stuff later on. So, when you listen to this, (laughs) we've been talking for a while already. We're getting a little tired. It's getting late at night. But uh, we don't want to start everybody off with stuff that they might not care about. So, uh, we'll let you know when we get to the end of this that we'll be... Uh, this, the second part of the podcast will actually be when we were drafting in our Dynasty Fantasy Football League. And then the third part of the podcast will be us talking about our draft and a little bit of how we felt about it and stuff like that. So if you don't care any about that, it's going to come after this other stuff. So you're fine. Um, the only thing that will be kind of mixed in there that we're talking about while drafting was a movie that, uh, that Sparky here saw. So you'll have to listen to the draft if you want to hear about what was the movie. I, I know I'm going to screw the name up again. Brightburn. 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 It's the yeah. It's the movie where they they contemplate what if Superman was bad just by birth, by nature. Yeah. So if you want to hear about that a little bit, we didn't talk a ton about it, but a little bit, so you can listen uh, on further. Um, but before we get talking about a movie, I want to talk about. It. I want to say something uh, that's been going on for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I've shared this with you a bit, but I made some dietary changes because I was having a problem where I was just having really awful energy crashes quite often, like too much. And I just felt like I was kind of out of control over being able to like feel awake and alert and stuff like that. So I decided to uh, take a big step for uh, cutting sugar out of my diet among some other things. Like I'm not eating white potatoes or white rice or stuff like that. Just really starchy foods. And, uh, I did this probably about a month ago that I started doing this and I've dropped about 20 pounds in a month Wow! doing this and I feel so much better. Uh, so that's been pretty awesome. Cutting out sugar and starchy foods. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I'm watching, I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm, I'm watching what I eat, but, uh, a lot of the things that I was eating to try to eat healthy had a bunch of sugar added to them. Like eating, I was eating almond milk, yogurt. Because uh, I was avoiding dairy, and unless you just get plain, which tastes awful, um, is has sugar added to it. I was eating granola yeah. and getting good gluten free granola, but sugar added to it to make it taste good. And everything was like that. So I, I kind of made a big change, cut stuff out, changed stuff up a lot. I've been focusing on eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, uh, nuts, uh, meats, stuff like that. Um, especially like pumping up the fruits and vegetables has been the biggest change and I feel so much better. And, uh, you know, like I said, without doing anything else, like I'm, it's not because of exercise because I haven't consistently been changing my exercise. Um, I have dropped like almost 20 pounds over the course of just a month from this change. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it's, um, you know, kind of cool to see that you can take control over stuff and make changes in your life, even when it's not easy or, you know, seems like it could be difficult. So that's been pretty cool for me lately. 
Now, a cool thing for that I want to talk about is uh, I finally saw a movie that I wanted to see in the theater originally, but then everybody talked it down so much. I decided not to because I was like, you know what? I'd rather not go see it in the theater and just end up being disappointed. You know, I, I'd rather be disappointed at home where I rent it on Redbox and spend like two bucks instead of going to the theater and spending like 12 bucks. And um, I ended up getting it. Like, I, I was dragging my feet on getting it even once it was at Redbox. But uh, Garrett, who is in our Dynasty League that we'll talk about later, uh, he told me how much he liked it. And this is uh, the new Hellboy movie. So everybody was just trashing it for the most part. Um, and seeing how people talked about it before it even came out and, you know, how people were talking about it after – I kind of get the feeling that a lot of people were trashing it because all they wanted was the Hellboy movie to be the same as the old Hellboy movies. And they weren't going to be the same. I mean, as soon as they said it was going to be a di different director and it wasn't going to be Ron Perlman as Hellboy, people were already, you know, canning it. Um, that stuff to me didn't matter. I appreciate the old movies. I can't stand watching them because even if they're pretty solid movies and it's because of them that the whole Hellboy Mignolaverse was able to continue on and be successful. So, I mean, like, everything that I love about Hellboy continued to grow because of these movies, and I appreciate that. But there's just something I don't like about them, and a lot of it is the characterization uh, of the characters. Um, and, you know, everybody that loves them, that's totally fine and great. Uh, I just, like, I have trouble bringing myself to watch them. Uh, the, so the new one... I start watching it and man, I like the characterization so much better and they didn't do things exactly like the comments, like uh, comics. There's uh, several characters that are introduced in different ways and represented somewhat differently, but they're like, I felt like they were introducing a better depth of characters from the whole breadth of the comic series, like lobster Johnson's in it. Um, you get, uh, Damio in it, who's from like the, the BPRD Hell on Earth series. Uh, he might have been in BPRD before it like turned into Hell on Earth. I don't remember because I pounded through so much of it, but, uh, like he's great. Um, the character Maggie, uh, she's in it and she's presented somewhat differently, but like she's great. Um, like the one thing that, that could have been a little bit different just for my taste is it could have been a little less gory. Uh, I could have done without some of that. Um, but I mean, aside from that, and even that, it's like, that's fine. That, that's the direction they wanted to take it. I don't think it was done excessively. Um, I just, I'm not a fan of gore, so I could have done without it personally. But, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely loved this Hellboy movie. And I only watched it once. I don't know if it's, it'll hold up to multiple watchings or anything like that, but I don't typically watch stuff repeatedly unless it's, I just, it's one of my favorite things. I greatly enjoyed this though. So the Hellboy movie from somebody that's read, all of Hellboy, uh, Hellboy in Hell, BPRD, BPRD Hell on Earth, a crapload of Lobster Johnson, Abe Sapien, all this other stuff. I give it a big thumbs up as a, as a huge fan of the comics. Uh, and I think it did, it really did do much better justice to the comics and the character, uh, the characterization of these characters than the previous movies did. So that's my piece on Hellboy. See, that means a lot to me. Because my experience with Hellboy, I've dipped my toes into the Hellboy comics. I've not just jumped in, though. I'm still going to do that someday. I keep saying someday, but it's, it'll work. It'll happen. That's the way I work. I, I'm, I'm a 
when my mood feels right for it, I'm going to dive in because I have lots of issues on comicsology that I've got. Um, I'm in the camp. I enjoyed the Ron Perlman movies just because I didn't know anything about them. And as far as movies, it's like you said, they're, they're good movies. And I wasn't, um, I wasn't, wasn't burdened by having reasons to not like them that you had, uh, for not liking them. Um, that being said, I love David Harbour as Hellboy. I liked a lot of the characters, like you said. The, I think the thing, I enjoyed the movie. I didn't love it, the new one, just because the gore did kind of throw me off. And I'll be talking about the Brightburn later in the show that we've already recorded. Um, one of the things about it, there's some really extreme gore. Not a, not a lot, but there's enough to where it's like, wow, they really did that. Um I'm not a big fan of that myself personally. Some people are, and that's great. But um, the one thing about the movie that got me really excited about it, and I hope they're going to get a chance to continue with these actors and proceed on to another another Hellboy movie. The last part of the movie, when it showed them out on a mission together, um, after having gone through this entire movie and fighting this really big challenge... That like two or three minutes was like, wow, that would be nice to see just him going out with these guys and, and kicking butt and, 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 you know, taking names. Um, so hopefully we'll get something like that in the future. You know, and I, I had heard the name David Harbor when they were talking about who was going to play Hellboy, but it didn't dawn on me who that was. Because, like, I mean, I've seen Stranger Things, and uh, and I love Stranger Things, but, like, all the names of the, the actors didn't, like, sink into my head. Um, so I, I didn't really know who that was, just by name. I'm watching the movie, I'm like, man, the actor is really familiar, but I'm not sure who it is. And then I was looking stuff up about it, uh, you know, while I was watching it, I realized who David Harbour was. I was like, that's pretty interesting. Like, I wouldn't have pictured him as Hellboy. Obviously, in Stranger Things, it's like he's not uh, exactly as muscly as Hellboy is, and... He doesn't have to be because they can make Hellboy look muscly without him actually being that muscly. So, um, but yeah, he did a great job as Hellboy and I liked his, uh, his irreverence I thought was fitting. My problem with the earlier movies is that Hellboy was represented so much like, uh, like first of all, his relationship with Liz Sherman was never like that in the comics. He wasn't fawning over her like a lovesick teenager. Like, he is more like he loved her like a sister. Like, he cared deeply for her in that type of way. He never, like, wanted to have a romantic relationship. So that just, that, that's what drove me nuts about the first movie was it's like he's sitting there pining over a girl when that wasn't at all what it was like in the comics. Um, and of course, like, you can say stuff doesn't have to be exactly like it was in the comics. I don't expect that, but I didn't like that. Um, in this movie, uh, I thought that he was represented more irreverently like a not quite like a smart ass teenager, although at times he was like a, a brooding or like, I mean, there were times where he was basically acting like he's thrown, you know, teenage temper tantrums. Um, but he also like had that edginess of somebody who is uh, mature beyond their years in ways, because like as a quote teenager, he's already like doing some very, very adult things, having to go and fight monsters and, you know, kill bad guys and things. Um, yeah, like I thought he was great. Uh, so many of the actors and actresses in the movie were great. Um, 
Mia Jovovich was like the, the main bad guy in it. And I like, it was kind of the same thing where I was like, she seems so familiar. And then I looked it up and realized who she was. I was like, yeah, she is familiar. She's, uh, it just like top to bottom. I thought it was even the gore where it's like, I don't like gore. The gore wasn't untrue to the comic. I mean, the comic is, is gory. It's just like Magnolia's art style is much more, you know, abstract. Um, and there's been a lot of different artists that have worked on it. A lot of great artists, but like, usually it's not, it's not hyper realistic. So like this was much more hyper realistic because, you know, it's a movie and like the, the violence was not stylized, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, I, there's just so many things I really enjoyed about it. And, uh, the reveal at the end, I loved, you know, Abe Sapien was in the first movie from pretty much from the get go. I love that, like, you go through this whole movie and you, you're getting some different characters, but they end it with teasing the reveal of another big character. And I love Abe Sapien. He's a great character. I also, I didn't like how he was played in the first movie. It just, it seemed too, I don't know, like, kind of cheesy cartoony. Like, it didn't, I don't know. I, I, I thought he could have been portrayed better, but I don't know, whatever. So, anyways, Hellboy, I liked it. If you like Hellboy, you should see it and you should like it. Right on. Yeah. So you have anything else to talk about? Um, I'll briefly talk about some of them. I got, finally got caught up on a bunch. I had a huge stack of comics I'd picked up. I've been way behind on my Valiant comics reading. And that took up the majority of it. But I read... I'm getting caught up on the Gideon Falls. And it's continuing to be an amazing twist of a story the way it just keeps proceeding and and like i said before the art in it is just i don't know what andrea sorrentino's done before and i probably should check it out because if it's as good as this it's something i probably like um really enjoying that but like i said i got cut up caught up on a valiant and they have a couple of new series out the Silords. Uh, by Fred Van Linty is turning out. I'm really interested in the way they're going with that. I don't know. I don't know that you've read any of that, so I'm not going to really spoil anything. But the art and the story and the way that's unfolding is kind of a like a mind-bending mystery, uh, not really knowing who you are, kind of thing. There's another that's tied into the Ninjak universe by B. Clay Moore with art by Fernando Dagnino. I think that's how you say it. Called Killers. That's also like a really fresh, valiant book. Um, and also, again, the art is cool on that. And it starts out with some killings happening. Um, uh, if anybody's followed the other valiant series in the recent past, there are lots of different uh, members of the ninja program, not just Ninja, ninja K, Ninjak. Um, this one starts out, I think it's Ninja G. Um, she's a lady and it begins with her and then you get to meet some others. And then, uh, Cullen Bunn's take on a uh, punk mambo. I finally got to dig my teeth into that and loving it. I, I told, uh, Ronnie a long time ago before I knew that Cullen Bunn had joined the Valiant team and was going to be doing some work on that. My dream was that he was going to get to, he would have been a great pick for shadow man just having read some of his other books that he'd done as himself. And uh, 
when I found out that he was doing Punk Mambo, he really knows that that he knows that part of the Valiant kind of genre, that that magic and the the kind of horror look at things. So I'm enjoying the heck out of that. So definitely thumbs up to all of that, and it's nice to have got caught up finally, and I can then start digging into some of the stuff you've uh, you sent me. Yeah, I've sent you a lot of stuff, and there will be more coming. Yeah, yeah. Out of the stuff that I've sent you, I've been reading the uh, the House of X and Powers of X, uh, the reboot, if you will, by Rick Remender. I love Rick Remender. Uh, I've enjoyed everything that I've read that he's done, so I definitely, you know, I mean, there's plenty of stuff I haven't read that maybe there's something I wouldn't like, but um, I feel confident recommending trying out Remender to anybody. Um, I love the X-Men, so when I heard Remender was doing the X-Men, especially with how disappointed I was with the run right before it that I had high hopes for, uh, I was excited to give it a shot. And it's definitely been giving me what I would like in it, which is something that's actually interesting and challenging uh, and not just same old or status quo type of stuff. Um, so that's been good. I've also been reading Daredevil, which uh, I know you picked up the first trade, and uh, I believe you finished that one. That's been very good. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, uh, you know, who would have known he had this in him? I mean, my first introduction to him was uh, his artwork um, on a, a very silly book, shall we say. And uh, this is a very serious book, and he's, man, he's good, so... It's, it's cool to see, it's cool to like look at some of these creators now that I've been reading comics for a while and seeing them actually develop. Um, those have been two, like the two newer things that I've been reading. Um, they've been good. Uh, video game wise, I just finished up Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is the second of the new trilogy of Tomb Raider games. Um, we traded a bunch of stuff in slowly over time, sold some stuff. I actually, I got to get it in the mail to you, but I sold you my uh, NES classic. Uh, I sold my Super Nintendo classic to my mom, actually, and that got us a chunk of the money. But we got a Switch uh, for, for all of us, really. But um, we wanted to kind of open the door to some games that were better for my son. And, uh, man, we've been having a ball with it. My wife's actually in the other room right now uh, playing a game called Stardew Valley which is uh, mm-hmm. an indie game that it was highly recommended by several people. We've all been enjoying that one. Uh, we got my son a Lego Worlds game, which is kind of like an open world, uh, kind of more creative Lego game. Uh, we got him Minecraft because he just flipped out about the ability of getting Minecraft on the Switch. So I told him, because he had Minecraft for my PlayStation 4, and I told him if we get it for the Switch, we're selling it for the PlayStation so we got it for him because he was too excited. And uh, then we took Minecraft. I had Minecraft Story Mode for him for the PlayStation 4. We grabbed a few movies, maybe like a couple books we had laid around. Went and traded those in and got enough trade credit to get Mario Kart for the Switch. And we all enjoy the heck out of Mario Kart. So we got kind of the intro level stocked up in games. But what's cool is like we've been so into it. Like even my wife is so into it that um, we kind of decided to uh, just bite the bullet and we went out and bought ourselves each a controller. So we have like a proper controller to use instead of doing some of the like funky things to try to play together that you can do with uh, the fancy switch controller. But yeah, it's been a ball and everybody's really enjoying it. Um, But because of that, I wanted to finish up that Tomb Raider game 
Uh, so that way I could not be in the middle of a game that I'm just starting to ignore again. But also, like, I have a handful of games I bought digitally on the PlayStation that I want to play through uh, before I get Zelda for the Switch. And there's also I also want to get Red Dead Redemption 2 for the PlayStation 4. So those are both games I know are going to be involved. So I don't want to just ignore everything that I kind of stockpiled getting on good, cheap sales. So... Plugging away on those, I really enjoyed Rise of the Tomb Raider. Someday I will get the uh, the last of the trilogy, which is um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, because those games, right up my alley, just super fun. So that, I think, is about it for me. Do you have any final thoughts to share? I do have two thoughts. One, I've never seen a Tomb Raider movie. I don't know if you have. I know you like the games. You just talked about it. Have you seen those? I know I saw the first one with... Uh, Angelina Jolie. I couldn't tell you anything about it at this point. I watched most of the newer one, and it was fine, but I think I also kind of rented it when I had too much going on, so um, uh-huh. I, was, I was enjoying it just fine, but I also wasn't, you know, basically I, I kind of didn't give it my full attention because there was just too much going on, and I don't think I finished it because I got tired and... I think I'd work stuff the next day or something like that. So um, I'm pretty sure they're enjoyable movies. Like the one good thing with the newer one, I think is it fits in more with the theme of the current video game. And of course, like the old Angelino Jolie one was um, based on kind of the original games kind of feel a little bit more. So um, enjoyable at least. Yeah. Well, the second thing is, I've talked before about how I've really been loving Marvel's relaunch, reboot, after the reacquisition of the Conan property. Oh, yeah. I've been getting every one of them. And for the most part, I've enjoyed all of it. I mean, they've had the Conan the Barbarian series itself by Jason Aaron. Then there's been the Savage Sword of Conan, which is they've had different writers and artists in on it with different arcs, which makes sense because it's kind of just like dropping in and out of different parts of his story. Then there's the, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. Um, there's a, the, the age of Conan or something like that series where they had the Bellet, which was a pirate queen. And then they've just reintroduced a new one called Valeria. Who's another female character in the Conan universe. But the one that I've loved the most, I even went back and I've been reading the Savage Avengers where Conan is plucked out of, his world and thrown into another world with characters like the Punisher and Wolverine and Venom and, you know, down the, down the line. And it's really good seeing, seeing Conan and Wolverine interact is like, they're like, they should be in a buddy movie. It's like, it would be like the funniest, most awesome action movie of all time. Um, if they could ever make that happen, but the book that I've enjoyed, and this is probably the best book I've read in the last month was, is a story. It's by the art is by Assad Ribic. Yeah, I love him. Writer, artist, and cover artist for the book, and it is called Conan the Barbarian Exodus. And I, you know, I need to look into it and see if there's going to be another issue. I hope there is. There's not a word of dialogue in this book through the entire thing, and basically, it's following him when he's 15 years old leaving his home in Samaria and journeying out to try to get to this other world he's heard of 
where the civilizations are. Because he's a barbarian. He lives in the north. kind of like, oh, not exactly a Viking culture, but a, a harsher culture where you're pretty much survival of the fittest. The strength of your arm and cunning and all that kind of thing is what gets you by. And he, but he wants to see what lies beyond. And this is the story of his first journey out. And it's gripping just through the artwork. Everything that happens from fighting wolves and bears. And then he finally does encounter people. And there are words spoken because he doesn't understand the language. It's just weird symbols and you don't know what's being said to him either. So that that is definitely anybody interested at all in getting dipping their toes into the Conan storyline, you should go find this book, uh, Conan Exodus. Um, and you know, he's Conan all through and through you know, they, they, there's real, definitely a magic to really capture in, uh, this character. So that's, that's it for me. Now we're going to get to talk about some, uh, fantasy football that we talked about an hour ago. Awesome. So stay tuned if you want to hear that. And if you don't, then, uh, you're done with this episode and, uh, catch us next time when we will not be talking nearly so much football. Exactly. All right, so we are here getting ready to draft for our Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Now, we're not going to bore everybody with talking about all the details of what we're doing, but we just want to let you know that we are actively going to start doing this in seven minutes while we do this podcast, because we figured why not record a podcast while we're doing this other thing that's taking up our time. Kill, kill, so, uh, kill two birds with one stone. You might say, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of funny having this like chat together and. and uh, I was going to say most of our league, but really most of our league isn't here right now. But uh, seeing people argue about how we're going about making this a dynasty, some people think that that means we should keep every player. Some people think that they everybody should be able to choose what they want to. The problem is, is to be able to make the draft work the way that I want it to, where everybody is on even footing for drafting rookies. We all got to keep the same amount of players, uh-huh. or the teams that keep more just are giving up on picking rookies. So. Yeah. Officially, after this year, we're all going to keep the same amount of players, and it's either going to be we got to drop a few, or we just actually expand our roster spots each year. I'll decide that by the end of the year. Yeah. Everybody's still arguing about it, and I I don't care what everybody wants because it's a learning process. Because this is the first year we've done it like this, and yeah, we've slowly changed. Last year it was a dynasty, but everybody could keep what they wanted to. So if a team was bad, they dropped everybody so they could get the best pick. And uh, one of the guys in the league, uh, uh, Chris Ad- Admondson, um, he took over a really bad team. He dropped everybody. He picked up Saquon Barkley because he had the number one pick. Yeah. It was between him and Garrett for the – I think Garrett's team and I, Garrett took over from somebody. Garrett kept one player and Chris got the the higher pick than him. So Chris actually got the first two picks in the draft. Oh, yeah. And another team who uh, the owner is no longer in the league anyways had dropped Kareem Hunt. So Chris got uh, Saquon Barkley and Kareem Hunt with his first two picks, which immediately shot him up to one of the better teams in the league, whereas Garrett used his first pick on Jarek McKinnon, who didn't play at all last year. So uh, yeah. it uh 
they, that's part of the reason why I want it to all be even footing. And I don't want uh, you to have to get rid of players with potential just because your team is in rough shape. And that's what some people don't really realize with it is you're causing the teams that struggle to like have to jettison everybody every time to have a chance at hitting, hitting the lucky shots basically. So it's not really developing year over year at that point. And that's where at some point the teams that aren't as savvy are going to get tired of playing because they're never going to stand a chance unless they do it just right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we're going to start keeping everybody because you get some depth in who's good on your team. You don't want to have to cut like a bunch of good players just because you have to take the risk to get a shot at the one best player, you know? Well, fortunately I so. didn't have a lot of good players worth keeping. And I, and I, I kept, uh, I think I did pretty good with the ones I kept. Um, I kept Trubisky. Uh, I don't know how you say his name. Um, yeah, and he's on the line whether I should have kept him or not, but I, he did fairly good for me last year. I just misused him because if he had a mediocre game, I'd take him out and put the other guy in. And then the next week he'd have a great game. So I need to learn how to be patient and just kind of see how things go. Um, I got Bell as running back. I'm really happy with having, uh, Allen as one of my wide receivers and the others are, are fairly good. So we'll see. Yeah. Your keepers are actually, are pretty solid. Um, I mean, you know, Trubisky, you're keeping a quarterback there. So you're, uh, you know, choosing to like solidify that spot with something that, you know, Le'Veon. So I traded you Le'Veon Bell last year with some other players for Melvin Gordon. Cause I just wanted him off my team. And that was before we knew he was going to flaking all year. Yep. And the funny thing is, so I had a player that played all year. You had a player that just sat all year. Uh, and you did better than I did last year. And now this year, my player's holding out and your player's going to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's weird how that worked out. And I kept thinking he's, there was, kept being talk. He might come back, but he never, he just never did. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely weird. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, your two wide receivers, uh, Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen, are, are great wide receivers. Like, you're real solid there. Le'Veon Bell, even if he's starting his uh, kind of downward, you know, d- his descent in ability, he's still one of the better running backs in the league at worst. I mean, we'll see how he is on the Jets, of course, because the Steelers are a much better offense. But true, true. He kept Laney Walker, so you got a, a solid tight end there, too. Um, I ended up keeping, so one of the things that I like to do, I, I really like to analyze stuff and I like to analyze where my players sit, not just, uh, not just, uh, in like the general rankings. But one thing I was, I, one of the things I like to do is look at, uh, dynasty rankings and I've always done this stuff on ESPN. So I, I check out Mike Clay's dynasty rankings on, on ESPN and um, I like to see where my players fit in on dynasty rankings. So it's looking at more than just their value for a year. It's their value in the future. So mm-hmm. yeah. my four keepers were Melvin Gordon, uh, Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, and George Kittle. And by his rankings, my four players are in our top two round picks in dynasty rankings. Mm-hmm. So I feel good about that, that I have players that are going to give me some longevity and um, – now, they're all pretty solid players uh, in their different positions. And, of course, I get the first overall pick this year. I was uh, the third pick based on finish, but the three teams ahead of me kept more players. Okay. So this, this is the last year it's going to work like this where I'm going to get a higher pick because other teams kept more because next year we'll all keep the same amount. So that means 
if you fall to the loser's bracket and then win the lo- the loser's bracket in the playoffs, which is all to keep everybody competing all the way, then you'll get the first overall pick and we'll all be keeping the same. So you won't lose that just because you don't want to give up enough players, basically. Yeah. But yeah. with my first pick in about 50 seconds, I'm going to be taking uh, Josh Jacobs, Oakland's rookie running back. Oh. So I'll feel pretty good having two running backs that should produce this year if Gordon plays. Um Plus, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs being a rookie, I'll have him for a while. Yeah. That we'll was, see where it goes from there. We'll see. And yeah, your first pick will be in the next round because you kept one more than the minimum number of keepers. So you, yeah. you're, you get the seventh pick overall. Yeah. I yeah. I messed that up. Or maybe the sixth. Yeah. <sighs> All right. 16, 15, 14, 13. Um, interesting. I watched the movie Brightburn. Uh, last oh yeah, how night. was that? I have mixed. My wife enjoyed it, and I, I liked it. I just had a weird feeling about it. Oh, I need to turn that down. <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I can hear it on this. Sound, I don't know so if you heard okay. that. Okay, yeah, you know how they do the sound effects for the draft. Um, I liked it, but uh. Did you already pick? Yep. So uh, the next player up is uh, is Adam, who lives I, in Japan. I think he lives in Japan. I could be wrong about that. He lives uh, uh, on that side of the world, though. And I don't believe he's going to be joining us tonight. So hopefully he set up his, uh, his oh. auto draft some. Oh, there we go. On so we're going to have to wait out his time, and then he'll be on auto picks. So this draft is probably going to move pretty quick. Good. We should have a little bit to talk about. Uh, talk about bright side there. Yeah, Brightburn is interesting. Or Brightburn, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's based on the Superman story of an alien child crashes to this planet. Two parents who'd been trying trying to have who and one of the guys, the father, is played by Roy from The Office, and the other lead actress, the mother, I can't remember who she is, but she's been in lots of stuff. Um, it's interesting because the take on it, I'm more interested. I appreciated more the approach to what if Superman. And let's see, I thought it was going to be what if Superman had a bad upbringing, like the parents weren't great or he got picked on really brutally at school. Um, but it wasn't necessarily that. It was more the parents were great. Um, he did get picked on at school. He didn't have any special powers. I'm not going to spoil it other than saying a little bit about the setup. Um, it mainly was, uh, it, what if Superman was sent, was just evil from birth? And, uh, it's very gory. A lot of, a lot of violence done by a young kid in it, but it was, it was a good movie. It was an okay movie, not a great movie. You're on the clock right now, by the way. Oh, I know. I'm looking. Okay. <laughs> I'm going with a wide receiver, DJ Moore. And, nice. Uh, Good done. pick. And uh, so, yeah, um, I would recommend it if you're interested in seeing how it would be. I'm Just if you're interested in the concept of Superman not being good-natured from childhood. Um, and it was very dark in the end. I'll say that, so. It's all right. Have you ever read uh, Superman Red Sun? No, never have. 
That's a, that's a good one. That's about basically like what if Superman landed in Russia instead of in the U.S. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a very good read. I If I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head while being distracted by uh, looking at this draft, it's uh, written by Mark Millar. Hmm. Yeah, I remember that when it came out. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. I got that one, and I got uh, there's uh, another Superman one I got to read that I haven't gotten around to yet, but definitely some good stuff. All right, I got to think about my next pick now. So I took with my second pick, I took Jared Goff as my quarterback. I kind of want to take a couple of quarterbacks in this draft because I want to have um, guys with potential big upside. And, you know, hopefully lock something down for the future. And I think Jared Goff has uh, probably the best potential of the guys I'm interested in for this year because that Rams offense has been, you know, pretty good. All right. Yes, that's pretty interesting. Um, Have you tried watching the boys at all? Do you get Amazon Prime? I do have that, but we have not tried that. Have you? Yeah, I've heard good. No, things about I. It. Yeah, I, I've heard good things from a lot of people. I I tr- barely try to dip my toes in the comics, and it's just too uh, leaning way too much on on. I don't know, like the negative possible sides of everything. Some of the things that people told me are involved in it is not really stuff I I care too much for. So, right, yeah, probably not going to bother with it, but. Kind of the same, same concept of, uh, well, similar concept of, you know, you got the powers. What if you don't use them just in good ways? Yeah. All right. And you are on the clock again. Okay. I guess this podcast is going to be leaning heavy on us talking about the draft because we both got yeah. some work to do. <laughs> it, yeah. And it's going faster than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, okay. Kenyon Drake is up there for running back position. I need to fill. Uh, Kenyon Traker. I don't know Austin Eckler. So Austin Eckler is uh, the backup quarterback on San Diego, but that's only if Melvin Gordon ends up starting, and they actually gave him permission to start talking to other teams to work a trade. So, Oh, I see. Yeah, Austin Eckler might actually end up being the starting running back. Hmm. Kenyon Drake. Ah, oh, geez. You had him last year. He's supposed to be Miami starting running running back. I'm going to go with him. Yeah. Okay. Chosen. Yeah, I remember him. He just has a little and bit I'm different on the haircut. Clock. I feel too much pressure. <laughs> All right. No. I'm going to go. It's probably going to get a lot of people to, to trip out here, but I'm drafting Carson Wentz next. So I just took two quarterbacks. Carson back Wentz is one of the players. Yeah. I, I actually... Uh, dropped him and I was really hoping to get him back because I think that he's gonna he had a tough year again last year with injury and ended up uh not playing out the whole season and Nick Foles took over again Nick Foles of course led the uh, Eagles to the uh, Super Bowl win two seasons ago all right but they traded Foles and everything I hear is that Wentz you know I mean he really should be one of those next level guys so now I got two quarterbacks I feel good about, you know, my, my future there. I really struggled with the, with the whole quarterback thing last year and was pretty frustrated by it. Man, I'm on the clock again. This is going. Yeah. I, t- I just took Dak Prescott. 
was hoping to get him last week in last week's uh, draft, but somebody outbid me. Let's see. Who do I want to go here? It's a tough call. I'm going to go Robbie Anderson. He is what? on the top of uh, of my dynasty rankings there. Mm-hmm. He's a young receiver. The Jets are a team that, uh, you know, even if they're not there yet, they should be uh, on an upward trend. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. now that now they got – I mean, they just added your, your running back there. You know, um, their quarterback showed some promise towards the end of the season last year. There's Larry Fitzgerald. Oh. I've had him before. I think he was a little bit of a letdown, though. Yeah, he's getting he's getting old too. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem there. Yeah. When you look for your flex players, what kind of what do you look for when you're trying to fill that position? Do you lean mostly on running uh, wide receivers? So the the thing is, there tends to be more depth with wide receivers. So you're going to have a better chance of grabbing wide receivers throughout that'll do well. Running backs can be a little scarcer. So part of me wants to uh, like be a little more sure on running back. So if I get two good starters and then a third one that can be a flex or be, um, you know, it uh, be swapped out with a wide receiver in the flex position. But like, I like being a little bit stronger running back. So right now I'm actually looking at top of my draft board is a bunch of wide receivers because in dynasty wide receivers are going to have more shelf life to them. Yeah. I think I'm actually going to go. So a little bit of homerism here. I'm going to go draft Matt Breda. Uh, yeah. I know that Jarek McKinnon is on IR again. Ah, oh, dang it. I was kind of hoping to snag Kyler Murray next round. I was going to go three quarterbacks and get a bunch of uh, young guys, but uh, Adam got him with – he must have set up his uh, his queue because he's he's getting some picks that are definitely not just shooting straight down the board. So yeah, good for him yeah. doing that. Right yes, yeah, so I, I grabbed Matt Breda, so that gives me – if Melvin Gordon isn't starting. Now, Breda is going to be sharing the job with Tariq Cohen in San Francisco – but uh, Breda was real good when he got the chance to be last year. He had some injury problems, but that team was also just real banged up. So now I've got uh, two running backs, two wide receivers, and we're running with two flex positions this year. That's one change that we made. With uh, We eliminated the kickers and the defense. We added another flex position. So I got Robbie Anderson and Matt Breda currently as the ones sitting in those positions. So I basically I have my starting lineup filled out, and Carson Wentz is my first bench player. So I got Jared Goff and Carson Wentz as my two quarterbacks. And now that Kyler Murray's gone, I'm pretty much uh, gonna I'm good on quarterback. I don't know if there's anybody that may, maybe later on if I come across somebody that has like high immediate potential at quarterback. Like for example, and I know uh, he was kept by a team, but like if Ben Roethlisberger wasn't kept. I wouldn't really want him as my my higher picks quarterback in a keeper league, but oh man, it's my pick again already. Yeah, it's moving fast and furious, man. All right, let's see. Who so, do I want to go? Or Lashawn McCoy got cut today. Oh. We got. Well, I'll wait for you to make your choice there. 
We've got one, you, you two, talk three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve teams. See if I can remember who's. Oh, I don't recognize that. Doctor Silky Smooth. As Jason Laminen, he's been in the, the league since the first year. Yep. Fastball Special. I don't recognize that team name. That's me. I changed my team name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tokyo Renegades. That's going to be Adam. Yep. Missouri Nightmares is Ronnie. Yep. Bullion Autocrats. That's Todd, who's a new addition this year. He's oh. Dennis's cousin, and he's oh, cool. a, a pretty competitive player. Nice. The Deadsiders. That is uh, Jason Bryant, who he won't be joining us at all on the draft because he kept his whole team. Oh, okay. Exo Minowar. That is uh, Garrett. Oh, yeah, Garrett. Bloodshot's one shot. That is Chris. Uh, he is a, a big Valiant fan. He is the admin of the Facebook page, which is where I met a lot of the guys in this league. And that was before I ever knew him. But he right. took over that role a while back. And then there's, of course, Justin Ehart with NSFW Ehart. <laughs> Shots of Ray. Ra. I always say it wrong. <laughs> yes, yeah, Dennis. Dennis, good old Dennis, and then I have a Quantum Woody, and that can only that be that is Dewan. <laughs> it can only be Dewan. Yeah, let's see what I need. Um, jeez, gonna go with a tight end, and that's my choice. I had Njoku last year. Um, I think he's got some good potential, and that uh, Cleveland team is supposed to be, uh, you know, looking pretty good on the offense there. Nice. What do you All think right. about this kind of draft versus the way we did it last week in the other league, where there's a like you have a budget? How do you think that? Yeah. Went? So last week we did a, an auction draft, and auction drafts can be fun, and I had an okay time with that one. Uh, there were some things I felt like I could have done better. There was one mistake I made, which, uh, Dennis actually bailed me out cause he was indifferent on it. Um, let me make my pick here real quick though. Hmm. Looking at the players that are up soon and who I have on my list, kind of trying to decide who I want to go with here. seconds. We're running out of time here. Okay, I'm going to go Darwin Thompson. I'm loading up on running backs, I guess. Yeah, take, quarterbacks take some cracks backs. some guys. I'm probably going to end up going a lot of uh, rookie wide receivers through the rest of my picks here. So, I got two quarterbacks. I got George Kittle as my one tight end. Uh, I'm not really going to worry about a second tight end. Uh, I got three bench spots less left right now. My bench is a quarterback and two running backs. I'm probably going to fill it up with wide receivers from that point. I'm looking at picking up one more running back. I think. What do you feel about Jalen Richard, Daryl? Oh, he's gone. Daryl Henderson. And then the long down the list, um, Deion Lewis is way down there in the ranking compared to Daryl Henderson. So you got some good guys in here. Some guys I've I've kind of so you, the ones you've picked up. Um, DJ Moore, that was uh, I think your first pick. 
Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think he's the number one wide receiver in Carolina. I'm not positive on that, but I think he is. He's young. Royce Freeman was supposed to be you know, one of the most – he was supposed to be one of the best run, rookie running backs last year, and then he ended up kind of not doing a ton. And uh, um, the other rookie on Denver did more, but, like, I think that that was one year, you know. Uh, Michael Gallup is a guy that, I, that I've been kind of watching. He's not the one, number one wide receiver in Dallas, but uh, I don't know who is the number one wide receiver in Dallas right now. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right I don't now. Know. I'm liking how your team's coming together. But anyways, to answer your uh, your question about the the difference in the draft. So last week we did uh, an auction draft, and that's fun because you can go all out for the players that matter the most to you. Like, so if there's somebody you want to get, you can get them unless you put yourself in a position not to. So my mentality going into it was I wanted to get um a, a top running back and a top wide receiver. And I was willing to spend most of my money on just those two if I needed to. So I did. And then I think I stretched a little bit for George Kittle because I had the opportunity to get him. Um, and at that point, uh, I didn't leave myself a ton of money. So I was taking shots. I got some of the other guys that I wanted to. Um, but then a lot of them were just kind of taking what I could get once I was getting tied on, on money because other people would be able to just take it past where I could pretty quickly. Um, so I think it worked out pretty good. Some guys didn't show up. That always throws things off. Um, and then uh, Dewan inexplicably was there but seemed absent. Uh, so that was definitely kind of kind of threw stuff off. Like if he if he would have been actually going after some players, he probably would have balanced things out a little bit better. But he kind of let too much slide by. Yeah, he had a huge but, amount of money on the table when he was done. Yeah. I he, um. My first few picks, like first three or four picks, the people I really wanted, I got bit up and I just let it go. And I don't know if that hurt hurt me or helped me because a lot of people ended up with not very much money. They ended up with really good players. I know on the heavy side up top, but I think I might have a fairly well-balanced team. I'm hoping. Yeah, I think your team actually came out pretty decent. Because I ended up, I, if Dewan hadn't done that, because he ended up being in the end there with, he could have got, he could have picked up any player he wanted. He had so much money at the very end. And he actually let people take people away from him, which, uh, I guess he was just trying to be nice. I don't know. But, uh, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he did share that he does not, uh, he does not like auction drafts. So I don't know if he oh. just wasn't feeling it, if he wasn't. You know, it wasn't working. I don't know. Just wasn't working out for him, though. I might actually take a tight end. One of the higher up players on my list here is TJ Hawkinson, who is a, a rookie tight end in Detroit. Yeah. So I might actually go ahead and grab one more tight end just because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm feeling like I got two more bench spots left. If I take a tight end and a receiver, I'm going to have pretty good balance. Mm. A lot of rookies, a lot of young guys. Yeah, especially you got to be thinking of that, I guess, for a, a dynasty league that you're going to be keeping yeah. players. And I didn't do the research enough to know how old my players are. <laughs> I'm so bad at this. But I'm an experiment. I'm an experiment in uh, the way I approach it. So we'll see. Yeah, it's kind of what you got to do. You got to you get more of a feel for stuff as you, you do it more. I kind of want to take Geronimo Allison just because it's like the name Geronimo. 
Well, you know, and he's not a bad pick. He's he's up on top of the the normal rankings here. Um, he's a Green Bay wide receiver. He's definitely not the number one, but Devontae Adams is great, and uh, he just got picked anyways. But yeah, um, you know, Allison, he's the number two wide receiver on an offense that is led by Aaron Rodgers, which in theory should be good. Oh, I'm looking at going with either Dion Lewis for another running back. If you take Kalen Balaj, you have the other Miami running backs. You'll have the two guys that might end up with the job. Just okay. an idea. If you do that, then if uh, if Kenyon Drake uh, fizzles, or I think he might have a little bit of an injury concern right now, you got his okay. backup. So you're kind of locking down the the potential Miami running back doing that. Well, that's smart. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, because I'm definitely wanting to add one more running back, so I'll go with him. And then we're down to one more. I'm down to one more player. Yeah, I'm going to take TJ Hawkinson now, so I decided to stick with what I just said and pick, grab that tight end. Uh, so I'm just going to be looking to get one more uh, rookie wide receiver. I got a few guys queued up on my board here. So whoever I end up getting, one of the wide receivers I took was uh, Debo Samuel, who is uh, the 49ers rookie wide receiver. So the other you know potential 49ers wide receivers to take pretty much were not around. Uh, anymore, like Dante Pettis is. I, I don't, it's so hard to tell in San Francisco right now with their wide receivers. They don't have like any stud guys or anything. Huh. But they they drafted Debo pretty high this year, and if what they're aiming to develop into as a team works, that's going to have to be part of it. So fingers crossed there, and that'd be nice for me as a fan. So I got a couple of 49ers players that well, I got three actually that if they work out, I'm not you know I'm not. Risking my team by spending too much on 49ers players, but uh, it'll be you know it'll be nice to have them on my team if they do work out. And George Kittle, I got him in a trade last year, and that's that's the one thing that worked out for me last year was uh, I traded a tight end, and I forget what else, but um, I, I traded a, a good tight end, not as good as Kittle, but a good one, and some other players to get Kittle. And you know he's definitely a keeper, but he kind of erupted into one of the best tight ends in the the league last year. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Well, uh, I got a. This year we're going with starting a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, and the, the flex positions. Yeah, we had um, two flexes this year instead of two one. Two flexes so this different. year. So, um, what led to dropping a defense and the the kicker? What was the thought behind that? So, I wanted to drop uh, kickers because they're the most random thing. You could have the best kicker, and that could mean nothing because it depends so much just on what the, the that team's offense does. So, it's really kind of a crapshoot with with playing kickers. It's pretty random, and it's just taking like one variable. That isn't really a fun – like, when is it fun to have a kicker? Like, if your kicker yeah. goes nuts, it could be cool. But, I mean, that's the same thing as, like, having a random receiver that, like, catches three touchdowns in a game, you know? And it all uh, comes down to how – like, and there will be games where their kicker's not going to be relied upon that much. As, you know, if your team is getting into the end zone, yeah, he's going to get extra points, but he's not kicking field goals. For, uh, yeah, so sometimes for, even for, being on a great offense actually limits your kicker's potential because all they do is score touchdowns. 
Yeah. So, yeah. To, like, to me, kicker is just like a, an annoying position that I isn't super. I mean, they get they get put in a position sometimes too where they're risking losing you points, and it's not even up to them, you know. So they yeah. they get put in a position where they're trying to kick like sixty yard field goals. Well, if they make it, that's great. But if they miss it, which is more likely, that's not so good. But uh, so I, I decided to drop kickers. I brought it up, and everybody seemed positive with it. So I just went for it. And then defense is pretty much the same thing. One of the things that drives me nuts in fantasy football is people take defenses really early, and it's it's really dumb to do that because defenses rarely have great fantasy production year after year, and it changes year after year. So, like last year, who was the great defense? I don't remember last year, but the year before, Jacksonville was the great defense. Jacksonville was a horrible fantasy defense last year, and the team was horrible all around. So if you drafted them early, you just – wasted a good pick on it that you could have spent on somebody else. So yeah. to me, defenses are also just so random that just like throw the random thing that quality and how they perform doesn't necessarily relate to quality in fantasy football. And it's not fun. Like there's nothing I, I lost in the first week last year because my defense blew it. And I had a defense that like without things looked should have done good in that position, but they didn't. So Got rid of them just to kind of simplify things and make it make it more fun. All right, Thoughts you get your on last pick. Sean Hamilton and Muhammad Sanu. Wait, Marquise Brown. That's Baltimore, Atlanta. Deshaun Hamilton is a rookie. Uh, I don't know about Marquise Brown off the top of my head, but um, Denver wanna, wide receiver going that deep. I don't know. This um, is. I'm going to take the rookie just because of potential. And I don't know how many rookies I have. Kind of feel like I should should definitely do that. Kind of looking I mean, through right pro- now. He's projected okay. I mean, he's you the know. one of the higher projected players. Uh, he's not a rookie. He did play last year. Oh, okay. But it looks like this is probably his second year. Just yeah, twenty eighteen fourth round pick. So it's his second year. A lot of times. Uh, wide receivers kind of pop in their second year. Okay. And that I'm going to take Nikhil Harry, who is a Patriots rookie wide receiver. And you and okay. I are done with the draft now. Back. We've drafted our team. I feel good. I feel pretty good. Um, how do you, What do you think about it? I feel pretty good about my team. So I was just looking at it a little bit here. It's going to start peeking around at other people's teams a little bit. So let me go back to mine. So I was looking at uh, my projected points for my first week. Now, of course, Melvin Gordon, who's supposed to be one of my top players right now, isn't expected to play week one because he's sitting out his own team. Now he's trying to uh, get traded to another team, basically. But I move stuff around. So like right now I got – maybe I'll flip-flop one more little thing here just to optimize. So I got Carson Wentz as my quarterback – Projected for 18 points. Josh Jacobs is my running back, projected for 15. So I moved Breda into my other running back spot. Uh, and we know that he's splitting the backfield. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. I got Michael Thomas and, and Amari Cooper, two of my keepers, is my wide receivers. George Kittle. Uh, and then in my flex, I got Robbie Anderson. And then I got Devin Singletary, who right now is projected for four. But the thing is, uh, he's now the starting running back for Buffalo and they cut LaShawn McCoy today. So the projections aren't going to be updated. 
So, but hey, yeah, I don't know. Looking through, like, it does definitely seem like uh, I don't have depth in upside players. But, like, I'm definitely happy with a lot of the players on my team. We'll see how it works out when we're actually having matchups, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think of your team taking a look at it now? Uh, I'm pretty, I'm really happy with the people I kept. And I'm pretty good, I, I think I've pretty got pretty good balance in I know I took a chance on that last guy because there's not much um, of a history with him. But most of them look like they're going to be pretty, hopefully pretty reliable. Dak Prescott's always a, a gamble in my head because it's just you never know what he's going to do. Um, and overall, the Dallas offense is a good offense. So, you know, Dak's been a little up and down, but I think that all in all, that was a good pickup for a second quarterback. You got two pretty young guys there that have shown, you know, some good ability. How do you so, think Prescott ranks against Trubisky though? I don't know. I mean, there's different ways you can look at that. If you look at, um, you know, like you can look at how they did last year, you can look at like a uh, you know, professional analyst rankings and kind of see that way to see who's, who's better or worse. Um, the thing, so Chicago's offense, I don't know as well. Uh, how good they could be. Like, I, I saw Trubisky have some good games last year because you actually got him from me in a trade, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had some great, so he had some really, really great games. Then he'd have a couple of weeks of just being down and then he'd come back and just have another great game. And that's where I mismanaged him. I, when he'd have a bad game, my other quarterback would do really well. And then, you know, it's, it's knowing, for me, it's learning how to know how to ride the wave, I guess. And yeah. just stick with a guy, and because for the overall, if the if I'd have kept him in, and a couple other players that I kept flip flopping, if I just stuck with them, I'd have had a much better record overall than I did. But I would get gun shy and just like, okay, they they stunk this week, and I'm just gonna put somebody else in the position. Yeah, so one of the stats that we could see right here that uh, well, a few of the stats that can give you a comparison, so. The percent ST that you see there is percent started. So Dak Prescott is being – he's set as the starting quarterback in 55% of leagues, whereas Trubisky is an 18. Now, the season hasn't actually started yet, so it could be that people um, just have them flopped around or whatever too. Percent roster, Prescott's rostered in 90% of leagues, Trubisky's in 64 and that plus minus that you see after that is how much they've been added or dropped. And both players have been added more than not lately. But stats are all going to be a little bit funky at this point. Um, then the 2019 projections, Prescott's projected to be quarterback 11, Trubisky quarterback 15. Um, in this league, I think you do want to hang on to a couple of quarterbacks, uh, you know, for the potential. Um, and, you know, obviously for what they can do for you right now. But because we're, you know, Dynasty League and always thinking about the future as well, um, everybody's going to be more likely to hold more quarterbacks. So if you're not holding them, then, you know, what happens if one of your guys gets injured or loses the starting job or something? Like, you're going to be scraping a lot deeper to get somebody else. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think you got a couple of, uh, of good guys. And, you know, this is where they're at right now. Like, Dak Prescott, we're a 12-team league, so... Him being ranked number eleven means that by the ranking, he is a starter. So yeah, yeah, if you just look at those things, like 
if Dak, you know, if Dak is your number one go-to, then if you're gonna start Trubisky instead, you're gonna want a strong reason to. And one of the things you want to stay away from is tending towards um, reacting to what happened last week rather than really thinking about what's going to happen this week. Down the road. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to pay closer attention to that. And I'm still new to this. I mean, this is my, I guess, my second. Uh, my, did I have to a year before? Second or third year I've only done this. And uh, so I'm still learning. And based on the way I drafted it, put Royce Freeman at running back in my flex. But I've got one, two, three. Well, there's that uh, Michael Gallup and Dante Moncrief on my bench at wide receiver that I might want to consider moving up to my flex. I need to research that and see you. I'm clicking I'm back. Sure, this is really interesting, <laughs> <laughs> but that's fine. So yeah, I mean, look at uh, the player ranks or the position ranks. Royce Freeman is being ranked number forty-seven. So when you look at your other guys, think about flex. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about it. so these rankings seem weird because like I just looked at Josh Jacobs on my team and his rank is zero. You can't be ranked to zero. That doesn't make any sense. So I think right now the numbers are all kind of funky. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, week one, you know, maybe you start Michael Gallup and sort of instead of Royce Freeman, like, you know, a wide receiver, especially because we're in a PPR league. So a wide receiver, like if they catch a few passes, they're going to get some points. Whereas like a running back, if they just don't get work, you know, they're not really going to get points. That's one way to look at it. There's a lot of different things you can look at to kind of make your decisions. But part of it's always going to kind of be gut. Um and, you know, if you kind of pay attention to the news around the players, that can kind of help you too. But, you know, a lot of times catching big scores off of a guy is because you start the right guy at the right time. And one of the biggest things with fantasy is always working the waivers and trying to pick up guys when you kind of catch that they might be, um, you know, their potential might be coming up. You got to get them yeah. before they actually do it. So if, if they hit that big game and they're sitting on the waiver wire, the team that has the first priority is going to get them. So uh-huh. like what yeah. you really want to do is you want to get them the week before they blow up. And that's how you get some of your best players. Um, I, so I won this league twice in a row. Like last year I lost at it horrible. My, my team fell apart. But the reason I won it twice in a row is the first year I won, I had drafted, drafted Le'Veon Bell. Um, but I had drafted, um, I think I drafted, that was the year I drafted Brady as my quarterback. But I picked up Matt Ryan as my backup. Uh, and, you know, no, actually, that was a second. So I remember the first year entirely, but I drafted Le'Veon Bell, and that was part of it. Like, he was really good. Um, so I won that year. And then the second year, we were picking two keepers from our team from the year before. And I kept Le'Veon Bell, and I kept David Johnson. I had gotten David Johnson just by picking him up at the right time before he blew up. And I kept him. And that year that I kept him, he and Le'Veon Bell were the top two running backs in the league. And then on top of that, I had drafted Brady as my quarterback, but Dr- Brady was suspended the first four games. So I had drafted Matt Ryan also, and that was Matt Ryan's best season. That was the year that they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. So I ended up accidentally drafting, like, I think Matt Ryan was the number one quarterback, or at least very high up that year. Um, 
Yeah, he may not have been number one, but he was very high up. Like he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league that year. And it was by accident that I got him. I kept David Johnson because I ignored everybody else's suggestions. I only even had the chance to keep him because I just made the right choice at the right time on the waivers. So my team came together and, and I won two years in a row because I kept paying attention, kept seeing what I could do, you know, trying different things. Um, and you know, it's a little bit of, of luck. It's a little bit of skill. It's a little bit of a lot of things, but, um, you know, even a, having a bad draft doesn't mean anything, you know, you in, uh, I have another league that I'm in that's a money league. And two years ago I drafted horrible, horrible. My draft was awful. Um, out of my first four picks, my first round pick worked, worked out fine. Uh, I had gotten, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? I'm going to blank out his name. Um, the quarterback I had gotten ended up, he was okay. So it was, I don't want to say that that was a bad pick cause he was okay. Like he wasn't, um, helping my team, but he wasn't really hurting it. Like, uh, but he didn't do anything to really kind of push me over. But my other two of my top four picks were like complete busts. They did nothing. They were, they were horrible and they weren't even starters on my team. Uh, so I just, my whole draft was just absolutely awful. And I ended up barely falling to second place in that league at the end because I kept on working the waiver wires really well and kept on working at it, you know? So you just keep putting effort into it. It makes it so much more fun and you get so much more out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. That's a lot of football talk. Yeah. Had. <laughs> and uh, I think your idea about putting this at the end, if you got anything you want to start us off with, yes. maybe we should do that. And then, wrap it up in a little bit and uh yeah i'm excited though about this it's fun it's fun paying attention to how people uh do and moving along and you know you gotta you gotta pay attention though because if you let if something happens during the week and you're just letting it sleep um you could really because i've done that uh, my first year i did that because i was actually out of town for a couple of weeks the first time i played and i didn't have a chance to like pay the attention I needed to. And I really made some bad mistakes. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's fun. I haven't, I've had more fun actually than I, I expected to doing this. And someday I'm going to get near the top. I'm, I'm pushing for that. Yes. Be kind. Rewind. Yay. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boo.